Do y'all believe that you should be honest in church? Probably be good to be honest everywhere, but church in particular. Do you ever feel like God's let you down? Do you ever feel like God has disappointed you? We're in Luke chapter 1 this morning. We're going we're gonna to look in more detail at some guys that we saw last week, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And I'm going to bet you when they laid in bed at night, when it was just them and God alone, they had some disappointment in their heart. In verse 5 through 7, if you have your Bible, if not, they'll be on the screen. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly. But verse 7, But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Let me give you a little background. If you were here last week, a quick review if you weren't. Um, What's going on here? It starts off in the days of King Herod. Herod was a king appointed by the Romans to rule over Palestine in this area and more than just Palestine. He was a wicked king. He ruled from about 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. Now, this sounds strange, but Christ was born in 4 B.C. The A.D. B.C. stuff, all that's real cool, but that's not in the Bible. That was done by men. And some monks or priests who figured that out were about four years off, and that's why Jesus is born four years before Christ. You get that? That's kind of odd, isn't it? Uh, But it's no biblical contradiction. And he was a bad dude. So to read 2,000 years ago in the days of Herod would be like us reading in the days of Saddam Hussein are in the days of Adolf Hitler. And this priest, it brings us to attention, is named Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest. Then to be a priest was a great honor. And it, it had to not only do with your moral character, but, but it was a birthright. It came through your family bloodline. It says that he was of the division of Abijah. They, thousand years before, under King David in First Chronicles 23 and 24, They had divided the priest in 24 different divisions. Abijah was just the head of one of these divisions. And Zechariah is a priest in this time right before Jesus Christ. It says his wife was a descendant of Aaron. Now that meant that she was a daughter of a priest. She had priestly blood running through her her veins. And, and, you know, that might be the equivalent of a preacher marrying a preacher's daughter. Now... Today, preachers don't get a lot of honor. Maybe we don't deserve it. But back then, that was a big deal. I mean, that was a real flattering thing to be a priest married to a priest's daughter. So everything looks great up into this point. And it says in verse 6 what kind of people they were. They were upright in the sight of God. Upright means they were righteous. They were holy. Man, these were... These were solid people. And it goes on and it says, They observed the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Blamelessly there means that in an unspoiled or an unblemished way. You know what what it's like to have spoiled milk or or spoiled food. It's not good. It smells bad. It's, It's not good for anything. And sometimes we spoil our lives by our lack of character and lack of morals. And, and what this was saying about Zachariah and Elizabeth, that not that they were perfect, but listen, this is important. These were godly people. I mean, these were people that were sincere. They just didn't fake it on Sunday and live another way on Monday. I mean, these were sincere 
godly people. They were devout Christians. He is a priest in a time the priesthood is corrupt. 30 years later, Jesus is going to fight with a lot of these priests, with Sadducees, and a lot of that, they had a lot of issues. And he is a, man, he is a stalwart in a rough time. But verse 7 throws in a little curveball. It says, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. Now, to us, someone can't have a kid. That's just biology. That's just life. That's the way it is. The Jewish people at this time did not understand, obviously, medicine like we do and biology like we do. And they considered childlessness a, a curse from God. In other words, if you didn't have a kid or you couldn't have a kid... You'd been, you know, it was very wrong, but they said it was a curse from God and, and that people were considered outcasts. Zachariah and Elizabeth, probably their whole adult life, had, had heard the snickers and the sneers and the people talking behind their back. What have they done to, they can't have a kid. What's wrong with them? The primary social unit in this day was the family. They didn't have Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security. And so when you got old, you know who you depended on? Your kids. You went and lived with your kids, the good old days, right? Now kids come and live with their adult parents, the adult kids, and that's fine too. But in the good old days, when you got old and ready to retire, you just moved in with your kids. So they didn't have any kids. This was going to be bad. Really, it was going to be bad on Elizabeth. In fact, some, some scholars say that in Jesus' day and before, in this time, that if you were married to a woman who couldn't have a child, and of course it could have been the man just as much as the woman, they didn't know that then, that you could divorce her because of that. It was bad. And you've got to wonder about Zachariah and Elizabeth. They, they're faithful. They're sincere. He's a priest. They're the real deal. They're not hypocrites. They're not fakes. They're not phonies. And they prayed for years, and now they're in their 70s probably. They're senior citizens. You've got to wonder if they ever laid in bed at night and wondered, why, God, have you let us down? And I want to tell you this morning, if you've been a Christian very long, and you got any maturity at all, you would have to agree with what I'm fixing to say. You have felt God's let you down. You have felt disappointed with God in the past. If you say, well, that's not me, you've not been a Christian very long, and you've not been very mature in your faith because you're going to have that experience. I wonder if that's where you are this morning. Here's the second part of this. It's a little different, but it's... uh, it's, it's very similar. Sometimes we just feel like life's not been fair. Sometimes we feel like life's been unfair to us. Again, in verse 7, But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were well along, well stricken in the years. You ever wonder if when they were sitting around eating supper by themselves and just talking, if they ever thought, you know, we've lived for God, we've loved God, we've given our money to God, We've been righteous when other people have not been righteous. I'm a priest. Your daddy was a priest. Boy, life has dealt us a bad hand. Everybody in this room has felt that before. You've wondered, why did someone else get selected and not me? Why did they get put on that team and I got put on the team with a bunch of losers when I'm a superstar? Why is their IQ so much better than mine? I wonder that all through school. Why didn't I marry better? That's your fault. Why did did oil end up on their land and not on my land? You know, sometimes if we're real honest, we sit back and we wonder, not only has God disappointed us, 
but that life's just not giving us a good shake sometimes. Here's what I want to challenge you to do this morning, because if you're not there today, you've been there in the past, or you will be at this point in the future. I promise you if you live long enough. Here's what I want to challenge you to do today. Examine yourself thoroughly. Let's do, let's do about a 10-minute hard exam right here this morning. You feel like God's disappointed you. Why has God let this happen to you? Why has life unraveled the way it's unraveled for you? And let, let me tell you some, something. I'm going to tell you a couple of hard things this morning. Here's the first thing. Sometimes we have lived in such a way that God's blessings are not going to be on us. In fact, we're going to bring down the fire from God on our lives. Sometimes we've lived in such a way that we're going to reap what we've sown, and what we have sown has been bad, and we're going to reap trouble and pain in our life. That's why this is so important. Examine yourself. Here's the first thing. Are, are you being who you should be? Am I who I should be? Zachariah and Elizabeth, in the dark times in their heart, when they're all alone, when it was just them and God, could honestly say we're not perfect, but we have a relationship with God and we're sincere in it. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a real relationship with God? I'm, I'm not just to scratch the surface, not just a Sunday morning. Do you have a real relationship with God? And if you are a Christian, are you living for God with all your heart? See, a lot of us are living at 50% wondering why God's being so mean to us. Why aren't we being blessed? Why don't we have the favor of God? Are you who you should be? Here's the second thing. Are you doing the things you should be doing? Am I doing what I need to be doing? You know, Zechariah, old man now, faithful. It would have been real easy for him to say, you know, it's, it's my priest division's time to serve at the temple, but I've been there, I've done that. I'm not going back. But he was there. Again, they weren't perfect, but I want to tell you, Zechariah and Elizabeth were people understanding this verse 6 about their righteousness and their obedience to God. These were people that spent time in prayer. These were people who spent time in God's Word. These were people on the Sabbath were at the synagogue worshiping God. These are the people that gave their money to God as they should and their service to God. I want to ask you this morning, are you and I doing the things in life that we should be doing? I wonder how many Sunday mornings we get pulled away. And thank you for being here today, by the way. Thank you so much. But I wonder how many times we get pulled away. We, we're tired and we sleep in. Or we go and do something else. Or we're busy. Or we went last Sunday. When God had something he really wanted to say to us that particular Sunday morning. And we missed it because we weren't here. You know, the, the, I can tell you times this last year when I would be tired, maybe a little disappointed, not understanding what God's doing. And I, I've always tried to be faithful in my daily prayer time, but I get home and it's late and I just don't read my Bible like I need to. And then two or three days later when I pick my Bible back up and I really start reading it again, it's like what I needed to hear three days ago. It was right where I was in my Bible reading plan. And it's like God almost laughs. I can hear him giggle and go, I wanted to tell you this three days ago when you really needed to hear it. You just wouldn't open your Bible and do it. Are you and I where we need to be doing the things that we need to be doing? 
See, I, again, I want to be a little hard for just a second. If you're not a Christian this morning, don't be mad because God's not working in your life. God loves you, but He's not Santa Claus, and I'm a huge Santa fan. I said it in the early service. When I retire, I would love to go and be Santa Claus. Have to put on a lot of weight, of course, but I would love to go do that. Got the shirt on even this morning. If you're a Christian today and you're living about half speed for God, I mean, you serve God on your terms and the way you want to, you don't be disappointed and wonder why God's not blessing your life. I don't feel God's favor. I don't see God's blessings. Part of it is, is we're not blessable. You know, it's amazing, too. You'll hear people that go, boy, I, I, I work at this place. It doesn't go well. I work at this place. It doesn't go well. I'm friends with them, and then it doesn't go well. I'm friends with them. It doesn't go well. I go to this church. It doesn't go well. I go to this church. It doesn't go well. You know, the common denominator there is you. You know, a very common illness today is not only the flu, but jerkitis. Do you know what jerkitis is? <laughs> you know, occasionally, when you're not nice and you're difficult and you're hard to get along with and you're not a true friend to people, it's not God in life being unfair to you. You are reaping what you have sown. You're reaping what you've sown. If you're, if you're not a Christian, this still applies, but it's particularly for you Christians. You get out of God's will. You, go, you do your own thing. You live for God on your own terms. I want to tell you what you're doing is you're going you're gonna to be on a hill riding a bike uphill the rest of your life. You don't lose God. You're just choosing a difficult path for your life. And see, what I'm trying to get, get, get across to you is don't blame God. If you're not going to live for God, if you're not going to be who you should be doing what you should be doing, don't blame God. You're bringing it upon yourself. If, if you're going to live in a way that, that's going to bring negative results in your life, don't say life's unfair. You've done it to yourself. See, this is extremely important, especially when you find yourself disappointed with God, when you find yourself looking and saying life's not fair. You and I have got to immediately get ourselves in a position of being who we should be and doing what we should be doing. Don't blame God in the world when you're bringing it upon yourself. And folks, when we will be who we should be, and we'll do what we should be doing. Let me give you the fourth thing and the key thing here that Zachariah and Elizabeth obviously put into place. You trust God and you remain faithful. Okay? You're not going to live for God. This is kind of null and void. But you're going to live for God. Pastor, life's not fair. Pastor, I don't understand. God's disappointed me. I understand. I promise you I understand. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. You trust God and you stay faithful to God, okay? Zachariah and Elizabeth, I don't believe there's any doubt, had a lot of rainy days, but they kept on keeping on. I heard a preacher years ago in a revival in Tennessee. He said, it's okay to cry. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to be confused. 
but keep your hand on the plow. He was using a farming illustration to say, in life, you're going to be disappointed with God and others. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be confused. You're not God. You are never going to understand how God works. Amen? And that's okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be confused. But what he was saying is keep your hand in God's hand and you keep moving forward. You keep following God. That's what Zachariah and Elizabeth did. Let me tell you three things that that, that happen as you and I do this. Number one, God is always working. How many of you feel like God's not working sometimes? Me and three others. Well, I'm glad. You other ones need to talk to us after church. <laughs> I want to tell you when, you, when you are trying to be who you should be and you're trying to do what you should be doing, God is always working. What, what is God doing? Let, let me tell you what God's doing. God's developing character in you. God's developing patience. Don't you hate that? God's helping you and me to love people better by a lot of the pain and the heartache we go through. God's getting other people ready. God's working. God's helping our vision. God's helping our faith. God's helping our willingness. If you're like me, and I know you are, many times I come to a point of decision, and I've got to back up, and I've got to say, God, help me to be willing to do what you want me to do. It's easy to come to God with all the answers, right? To say, God, do this and bless this. Amen. A lot of times we need to step back and say, God, the truth is I'm not willing to do what you want me to do yet. Help me to be willing. God's getting you willing. God was working in Zachariah and Elizabeth's heart. And I want to tell you, God's always working in your heart and my heart too. And I want to tell you something that's hard too. Sometimes God's got to break us to remake us, doesn't he? Sometimes God's got to pop us to get us on the right track. But always remember, I'm, I'm disappointed with God. Life's not fair. If you feel that way, join the human club. But remember, you be who you should be. God's working. Here's the second thing. God's view is long-term and eternal. Now, you, you, you may not admit this, but you struggle with this too. I know I sure do. See, most of us are thinking about what we're going to eat in connection groups, Right? Are you thinking about lunch? Are some of us with a long-term view are thinking about Christmas two weeks from now? God's thinking about today, but God's thinking about five years from now, ten years from now. God's thinking about eternity. Many years ago when I was a young Christian, I was having some problems and struggles, and I didn't understand why God was doing some of the things that he was doing in my life. And an older Christian said something great. She, she told me, she said, Chris, you are looking at today and tomorrow, and God's looking how this is going to affect you and other people ten years down the road and for eternity. See, Zachariah and Elizabeth had to be wondering, why is God not doing something? Why is God not showing up? Why has God let us down? Listen, God was working all along. And God's view is always long-term, eternal, big picture. Remember, I believe living for Christ is certainly the best thing here on this earth, but the great reward lies beyond in heaven. That's when we're going to wake up and go, it really all did matter. It really paid off. God's view is long-term and eternal. Here's the next thought. God's timing is perfect. 
How many of you wish God's timing was your timing? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that it's not? <laughs> Often? Here's a great meaty part of the story. In verse 8, once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembly of worshipers were praying outside. In verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Many of the people of Israel will bring, he will bring back to the Lord their God. In verse 17, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let me tell you what was going on here. Zechariah, again, was one of these 20, part of these 24 divisions of priests. Some scholars say in Zechariah's day there was as many as 20,000 priests. So divide 20,000 by 24, you still got over 800 priests. They would serve for eight days. They would be off for about 24 weeks and come back and serve eight days. They did two eight-day tours uh, a year, okay? And, and part of the duty while they were serving in the temple is a priest was selected. It was a great honor to go into the holy place and to offer incense up to God. Normally, a priest might never get to do it, but once in their lifetime would probably be it. Now, the way they determined God's will, this was before the Holy Spirit had come to live in every believer, was by casting of lots. Now, maybe it was done one of two or three ways. They may have put some stones in a, in a sack or in a coat, and they would have reached in and pulled out, and some believe it was a white stone. If you drew the white stone, you received the honor to go into the holy place and to offer incense. So it was a great honor. Zachariah never got the opportunity to do this. And, and so l- let me show you. We've got a couple of pictures. I want to give you a, a feel. First of all, of the temple. Now, the temple, this was 15 stories high, okay? Does that give you a, a 15 stories high? This was huge. This is, this is all the temple area right in here. You have the court of Gentiles, then the court of uh, women, then the court of Israelites was just men, and then you had the court of priests, and, and then the holy place and the holy of holies. We'll look at that, those two places more in a moment. But this is the, 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 considered the, the whole temple. Now, let's show them a diagram, Brian, which we looked at last week. This was, this was also called the temple in a proper sense. Uh, there was the greater temple. There's two different Greek words. And then there was the inner temple. This was the inner temple. And this is the holy place right here, okay? So you got the courtyard here. When, when Zechariah was chosen, he got to go in. Only a priest could do this. They did it twice a day, the morning prayers and the evening prayers. He would have gone in here. He would have gone over here to the lampstand, and he would have trimmed the, the wicks on the lampstand. Over here was the, the table with bread on it. Then he would have gone to this golden altar right here. 
It's a golden altar. The angel appears to his right. Brian, we have a picture of this altar. Let's show them this altar. Uh, this altar was three foot high overlaid with pure gold. Isn't that beautiful? So you know Zacharias just got to be, uh, he goes in here to, to offer incense there. He's got to be just overwhelmed at the whole thing anyway. And so he's, he trims the, the wicks. He goes to the altar and he offers incense. And while he's offering incense, an angel appears to the right of him. And it startles him just like it would any of us. I mean, boom, you know, there's an angel uh, standing there. And the angel tells him, hey, Zachariah, your prayers have been heard. Folks, let me tell you, if you're a sincere Christian, God always answers your prayers. It's one of three ways. Now, we don't like this. It's yes, we like that, don't we? It's wait, we don't like that. And it's no, we definitely don't like that. Anytime God answers with a no, he's got a great reason and a better yes on the other end most of the time. Zachariah and Elizabeth have been praying for years. God's answer was not no, it was wait. And he said, guess what? You're going to have a son. Zechariah did not believe him. Zechariah's death for the next nine, he can't speak for the next nine months. He says, you're going to have a son, which had to be awesome. But not only did he tell him he was going to have a son, he said, by the way, your son is going to be John the Baptist. He didn't tell him this specifically, but this is who it was going to be. Your son is going to be the one prophesied in Malachi chapter 3 and 4 that's going to be the Elijah to come before Jesus Christ to prepare the way and to roll out the red carpet for Jesus Christ. Christ to start his ministry. Was that not awesome? Think about this, guys. And, and this was a cousin to Jesus. It tells us later on in chapter 1 about uh, Elizabeth going to and talking to Mary and, and your relative's going to have a baby, the angel says, and that, that's Mary and Elizabeth. So Jesus and John the Baptist grow up together. They're kinfolk. They, they probably played together their whole lives. I mean, it's a perfect scenario. That would not have worked hardly at all if John the Baptist would have been born 20 years earlier. Or 40 years earlier, probably when mom and daddy were at their prime. You following me? Or if the baby would have been born 10 years later, it wouldn't have worked. What Zachariah and Elizabeth may have thought God was saying no to, or why was God disappointing them, God, God had his perfect plan in long term in mind that you're going to have a son and the timing's going to be exactly perfect for him to be the Elijah before the Messiah. And Jesus said this was going to be the greatest man who ever lived. Do you know that? Zechariah means the Lord remembers. Friend, I want to tell you this morning, God's not forgotten you. Isn't that good? We've forgotten him. We've put him on the back burner. God's not forgotten you. You see, here's our part in the equation. We throw out our half-hearted sissy living for Christ and we live for Him with all our hearts. And we trust Him and we stay faithful and we know He's working. We know He's got a long-term view in mind and we know God's timing is perfect. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good. See, a lot of times we quit, don't we? For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I wonder how many of us have left harvest to the side that we've missed because we've quit before God did the great thing in our life. God's timing's perfect. Robert Shuler wrote a book many years ago. The title of the book was Life's Not Fair, 
but God is good. Isn't that true? Life is not fair. Sometimes it seems God's not fair. But I want to tell you, God is always good. Remain faithful and trust Him. And I guarantee you, God won't disappoint you in the end. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for for what is available for our taking if we'll reach out and take your hand. I pray today, if you're a Christian, that you will remain faithful. You will get faithful and you will stay faithful and trust God. If you're not a Christian, I challenge you where you're seated. Pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son who died and arose for me. And and Jesus, today, I give you my life. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand and, and sing. And hopefully, more than that, we're going to respond to what God has to say to us. Maybe you just ask Christ in your heart or you're ready to do that. Would you come this morning and talk to one of us? Let us help you with that decision. Maybe you'd like to join our church family. We would love for you to do that. God's leading you to. One way you can do is step out and come. Talk to one of our ministers. We'll help you with that this morning. Christian, maybe at the altar, maybe praying with a minister, maybe standing where you are, you need to repent today. And say to God, I am not who I should be. And I haven't been doing what I should be doing. And get that right. And Christian, make a commitment to remain faithful and trust God, knowing that he's going to take care of you. Let's stand as God leads you. Respond to him this morning.